Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here on our 89th episode of the podcast, where we get a chance to talk to Garrett Baker. Coach Baker is the player development coordinator for Inspiration Academy in Bradenton, Florida. He just most recently took that job in the summer of 2021. Before, prior to uh, his time with Inspiration, he was the pitching coach and recruiting coordinator for the American International College. He also assisted in the weight room strength conditioning. You can hear very easily uh, his background in exercise science, which he had an undergrad in. And he's got a master's degree in sports and exercise psychology, which both of them come through glaringly through our conversation. Uh, so at his time at American International College, he assisted in the weight room. Um, prior to that, he was also the pitching and sh- strength coach, strength and coach for Westfield State University. Um, as a player, he was able to play some independent baseball in the Empire League as well as the Pecos League. And throughout our conversation that we just had is, it'll make your head spin. We have we went through a ton of stuff. Um, if you're not following Coach Baker on Twitter, he put, he's great with content. Put a ton of, ton of stuff out on Twitter, at Coach G Baker. Um, if you're big into water bags, if you haven't heard of water bags, um, just check them out. Um, talking about being able to stabilize. You hear a lot of people talking about the brakes. Water bags are helping out with that. Coach Baker does not tell a person to get in a certain position. He forces them into it with a water bag or with a certain implement that allows them to do that and to create the movement that he wants. And so basically, like he said, it's about creating your race and the thought of putting them in that movement, thinking about that movement. Now we're going to put him in that position and allow his body to adapt. And so he has, he basically said he's, he's trying to create good movers, which essentially you're trying to create great athletes. And like, like the genius Tom Hell would say is, is that one, one thing that almost all great throwers have in common is that they are all athletic and they can move. So they are. This is how he's doing that, and how he's creating movers, how he's creating athleticism uh, through a lot of the different things that he's doing. His movement prep stuff. Movement prep is him doing different exercises before they go to throw, before they start to warm up. So this is just a warm up to one of the different parts of their body to get going. So it's just a ton of stuff, and then even just we start off, we hit the ground running with just the stuff that he has mentally, his mental warm ups. Before they touch the body, they're, they're, they're work, working on their mind. They're working on the routines. They're working on just their mindfulness of, am I having thoughts of in the past when having thoughts in the future? We, we dive into that for the first 30 minutes. So he just, we do some great stuff. Coach Baker's um, very sharp. It was a great conversation, a lot to learn. And uh, just, just, just sat there and talking, uh, taking in a lot. And, um, and it was a good, it was good. It's definitely something I'm going to go and help me make, help me get better. And, um, I think it's something that you're going to be able to look at and go through multiple times. Um, and, uh, just want to go sh- thank a biggest shout out to our sponsor, making something like this happen. Get a chance to talk to coach Baker, um, netting professionals, Will Meyer, the guys at netting pros are awesome. And make sure you check those guys out, follow them on Twitter. They do a ton of giveaways and things like that. Feel free, uh, you know, Follow them. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specialize in design, fabrication, installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. 
Netting professionals continue to provide quality products and services to many recreation, high school, and college fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Contact Will Monitor. Contact the guys at Netting Pros at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. So, again, thanks to those guys for happening. Thank you, guys. Hope you guys enjoy it. Coach Baker, appreciate you. Again, if you're not already following, follow Coach G. Baker, Twitter, Instagram. Here he is from Inspiration Academy in Florida, Coach Garrett Baker. Every single day we start off with some kind of breathing and just learning how to be present and learning how to be just where your feet are and just kind of it's practicing that. Um, just simple. We do our normal warm-up, our dynamic warm-up, or I call it like the kind of wake-me-up warm-up. But before that, we get centered. We do some breathing. We learn how to keep our mind focused. And when our thoughts come in that distract us, we're able to bring it back to the moment. And then we intertwine that with some practice of our routines before we even get started. So some of the breath work will look like routine, routine-based type stuff. Um, we'll also do some like meetings, like small groups, as far as like talking through something like a simple concept, like signal light, right? Your green light, yellow light, red light, things like that. And like, okay, how do I recognize that? How do I get from my yellow light back to my green light? And how do I play my green light the most often? What do my routines look like to get there? There's a lot of things like that. And I kind of tie that into the motor learning process. And I mean, I can get into the weed with that too, if you want, but like skill, skill emerges based on my psychology. And that's a big constraint on myself. If if I'm not there mentally, it's very hard for me to be able to produce this my maximal skill because my intention and my attention are not there, right? So like I'm my, my head's not clear, I'm focused on the wrong things, and there's no way my body can move the way I want it to move while being worried about something else. So I guess that that's kind of where it all ties in, even to the water bag type stuff. Mm-hmm. I can train it all I want, but if I if I'm not there mentally, it's not gonna work. And you try to get in every day. You're just breaking them into like that's kind of your your warm up. You're gonna break into like a mental warm up before you kind of start your dynamic warm up. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So that's like one thing on our practice plan. I would say it's like mental, mental slash physical warm up. Mm-hmm. Be able to be able to make sure we're centered, make sure we're in the moment, make sure we're kind of like checking in with ourselves. Like if this is a worry, that's a worry, whatever it may be. Let's see if we can get centered on what I need to do today. And a lot of times I'll finish with the session with like let's envision the best practice we can have. Before we get going, what's one thing you want to accomplish before we get going and have their mind set on that before we even start a warm up? And I think that that helps a lot of guys. That's really cool. Let's envision the best practice we can possibly have. Mm, super cool. Um, what kind of conversations have come out of that? Like, I just want to like, you know, because are, are, is that something that you have to continually guide the whole time? Or is it, I mean, I guess right now you've, you've kind of had the guys not too long, but is that something you envision where like, where you'll be able to take a step back or is it always something you have to be in the forefront of that with a warm up? As far as the warm up goes, I mean, I honestly kind of wean off the guiding of it. So it's right now I'll like kind of talk them through like a guided breathing or something along those lines, but I've also taken days where I haven't done any talking. I've set it up and then gave them like, okay, this is what you're doing. We're going to spend two minutes kind of checking in with yourself. Let's slow our breathing down. And just see where your thoughts go right now. Just see see if they're taking you to the future, to the past. And then off of that, you can know what you're worried about. And that's one good way to learn yourself. If you start worrying about things in the past really often when you do these things, you're going to have to be aware of like something that just happened to me may continue to rise up in my brain. 
that's gonna be a struggle for me in the game that I'm gonna have to get rid of. So something that may happen, like, okay, now I know that this may stick with me a little longer. I got to clear that right now, or it's gonna be an issue. Or if it's something like something in the future that I'm worried about, and my mind keeps going to the future, now I can be aware of that. Like, okay, I'm going into this tough situation. I know I'm gonna be super worried about it. Now I know I got to get rid of that right away, or it's gonna linger with me over my performance. And that's where like just learning that, kind of taking their own time, just checking in with themselves, and then by the end of those two minutes, even without guidance, like hopefully they're at a spot where they're centered in the moment and ready to roll. So it's kind of like it's been a little bit of a mix. I think it's going to be something you'll see. Some guys will will really buy in and do it on their own, and I've seen guys already do that, and some guys will continue to guide in. So it, it really varies player to player, in my opinion. Um, but you'll see guys like start intertwining it right away, and you'll see other guys that I, my guess is is going to take me to the end of them being here, and they still might not have it. But I'm hoping they at least pick up something here. So it's very individual and how much they buy into it, but – it's been it's been cool seeing guys already intertwining it without me even saying like how to intertwine it per se. Good, yeah, that's super cool. I, I, my question too, I was thinking while you were saying that is, you said get rid of them. You said so like I know I love how you said because basically it's what it is. If I worry, it's about past or present, past or future. Um, and you said get rid of them. So like that's got to be a conversation or it's got to be even part of a lesson that you probably already taught. Is like how do you do that? Like so, how do you teaching kids to get rid of these? past or future thoughts i guess that goes into the concept i, I like talk about like the red light yellow light yep. green light I, I love i love going into that concept where okay when i'm on my best i'm in my green light everything's kind of flowing my yellow lights when things start going out of out of hand a red light like the game sped up to the point where i'm just kind of falling apart and like my, my thoughts are absolutely destructive so it's very much like in real life situation green light i can go right through it Yellow light. I got to be cautious. If the yellow light's been there a while, I probably got to slow down and stop because the other car might be trying to go red or red. I'm going to crash if I just bust through this thing. Or maybe I'm aware of it. Oh, it just, just popped up. I might be fine going through it, but it's probably safer to stop and check in and wait for another green. And then if I just wait the yellow too long, don't stop and then bust to a red, I'm in big trouble. So it's learning how to be aware of that when my thoughts are going that way and my yellow lights when they just start and if it stays there stays there stays there that's usually when you start getting to the red lights and the thoughts that when the game starts following on you really speeding up and then taking something and we usually talk about some kind of routine something physical some kind of thought typically some form of breathing and we talk about different ways to maybe do like some guys will like a box breath will it kind of slow down they'll actually like a four count four count four count like we actually go a box, so you go inhale four, hold four, exhale four, and then hold four again. And then being able to concentrate on that really centers you. Some guys just like a full inhale and exhale and feeling it. And then just being able to do something like adjust the batting gloves, play with the ball or whatever, and then have some kind of final thought before I go on there that centers me right back on what I actually want to do. And we talk about that routine a ton about, okay, so the breath is going to help me get me there. There's something physical it usually helps me wipe it away. And then that final thought brings me back to my intention and my intention is all that matters because what you tell yourself is how you're going to guide your action, right? You're only, you only can move based on what you tell yourself and what you perceive or basically what's, what's in the environment. So without being able to be fully clear and hundred percent of my intention, I'm not going to be able to move as well. I'm not going to be able to go get my intended target or my intended goal of my movement. So like teaching them that process outside of, yeah, it's in the classroom, but I, I personally like we've done it on the mound. So like, We've had guys, when I taught the lesson as far as routine, we were standing on the mound. It's like, hey, let's go practice this thing right now. Like this is, this is, it may change just like anything else. Like the skill of this may change how you do it. 
and what maybe your physical action, maybe what your thought, but let's go practice this right now in a non-game setting. So that we're at least somewhat representative. We're on a mound. You've actually practiced it. You kind of start ingraining that in your mind. So when it does happen, boom, we're on the mound, ready to roll. And we can kind of go through that routine to hopefully bring us back to that green light. Because everybody wants to play in the green lights. Nobody wants to try to play in yellow or red, but we're often like, what, 20% of the time, maybe you're in a green light. Everything's flowing. The rest of the time we're fighting, we're grinding through those yellows and reds. So it's like having that process in place is, is huge. And then being able to practice it every single day before like a warm up, we, we found like huge benefits from that. Having the process in play and practicing it each day. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do the same thing with offensively too. I know you're like you said, your focus is on pitching, you know, but you know, would it make sense for hitters and as well as defensive guys to do at their positions? Yeah, hundred percent. So because I'm kind of in charge of the, the warm-up piece, I often I do like in practice, hands-on, I'm with pitchers and throwers most often, but we'll intertwine that that mental piece into hitting all the time. And there'll be plenty of guys knowing that um, I have that background will come to me like hitters are struggling. Hey, hey, coach, like what's something? How can I integrate this in my own routine? Like what's something I can do? Like I'm really struggling. And it's something that I don't necessarily I'm not watching, but our hitting coordinator is just as passionate on the mental side as I am. So we're speaking the exact same language. Is it something I find extremely important? So like mm -hmm. the stuff I'm doing in the mental training, like he's doing in the cages and we've sat down, had multiple conversations already about it, like how we talk about it and the verb, the verbiage we use. So we're using the same language over and over. So what I'm saying out there and the stuff I'm trying to practice with hitters, like say before, before practice, we'll go through our, our pre-pitch routine, whether you're on a hitter side or whether you're on the pitching side, we'll go through that. It's the same thing. Our hitting coordinator is going to be watching while they're in the cage. That's going to be the same thing. He's going to be preaching when they're in the game and watching, watching that system. So it's basically like carry over from what I'm doing there straight to the hitting side, even though my hands are, may not be in it as much. Like it's the exact same language. We're teaching the same thing and it's it's got great carryover. And I think it's, if not, maybe sometimes more important on the hitting side, because if you don't, if you aren't picking up relevant information off the pitch or the pitcher, like good luck hitting. I think pitchers cool. sometimes, sometimes you get away with it and they can grind through it and just start like trying to use emotion super high and throw harder and harder. And you can get through that for a short period of time. That certainly doesn't always work, but sometimes you can get away with it on the hitting side, like good luck. Your mind's mind's clouded and you're worried about the, the umpire just made a bad call. Like I, I can't I can't imagine still trying to pick up a, a 90 mile hour pitch with good movement. Like it's not gonna happen. No, it don't it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen very well. You know. That's like I think the first thing. I mean, you can practice every drill you want, but if you don't get in that box and you're not thinking you're the man or mm -hmm. you're thinking something else, ain't nothing else we can do for you. Yeah. You know, not at that moment. Something you gotta get there. So that's great, man. I think that's, that's, this is all really good stuff. It's a great solid foundation, but you know, and you're just trying to do a little, a lot each day and it's, mm -hmm. it's phenomenal. Do you say you're working with uh, all high school age kids? Um, So we actually at the Academy expands from post-grad. So like guys who just graduated and we have some older post-grads too, that maybe went to like a, like a different school, different college. And then was like, Hey, I need a gap year just to train. We have a couple of kids like that. A lot of kids are fresh out of high school. Um, so it kind of serves like a junior college in a way that that way. So their postgrads looking for a better opportunity. And we also have high school, um, middle school, and we also have softball here too. So we work with we work with a lot of different athletes throughout the entire day. Yeah, and I ask I just that's why that where I go to like, how do you or is it the same message as the JUCO guy or the postgrad that it is for the softball twelve year old? 
Um, maybe not exactly, but very. I would say it's very similar in a lot of ways. Where we're working the same techniques, right? The 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 practice of mindfulness will will play just as much for the the softball player as it's going to for the for the person who's post gradded and played his entire life because it's it's I, to me it's more of a life skill than it is anything else. Like the ability to bring yourself back to the moment, and the younger you can learn that. I heck, I, if I learned that when I was twelve, I'd have been a heck of a much better person and better better ball player. Um, so kind of teaching that skills and been kind of funny, like the, the girls on the softball side, like they had the quickest feedback. I'm like, Hey, this is really cool. Like one of the, one of the softball girls, like quickly told me that like reading is a favorite part of practice, which I was like, I would never expect that was a favorite part of practice. Hmm. And she was like, I, I immediately was able to use it in my game later. And I was like, I didn't even teach you how to use it in the game later. And she like immediately connected the dots. And I think sometimes like those, those girls can pick it up a little bit quicker and I'm still learning. Like I've never taught softball in my life. This is the first year doing it, but they'll, they'll pick up those little things that will help you, I guess, like in the, in the now that may be a little unconventional versus the guys just want to just want to hate throwing all that kind of stuff. They notice like how it made them feel and like how it brought them into the present. It's like, Oh, this may, this may help you right now. I'm going to use it. Um, so it's been kind of like a cool, cool experience. So the approach isn't too different, just like maybe the verbiage and how we talk about it and applying it sure. maybe differently. But yeah, there's still the fundamentals are still there. You still you still talk red, yellow, green yeah. Light. The traffic light is simple analogy. I think I think everybody can kind of understand that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Now that's all, man. That's all. I think I think just everybody because because I think you know uh, you know just to hear you say that you know you're dealing with younger kids and you're talking about the mental game and dealing with getting in the moment and things like that or just realizing are you thinking about the past or are you thinking about the future. Mm-hmm. um and realizing that and letting them go how do you work them through that of like you know uh if they are stuck in the past you know and being able to get rid of them i guess you're just breathing through it or you're just allowing them to just re- reminding them like don't judge it like they just let it go yeah so in the typically in the the pre-practice breathing it's a practice we try to do is like you're not necessarily like judging your thoughts like, Oh, why am I in the past or why am I in the future? But it's the ability to like, just notice the thought and then kind of let it go to bring yourself right back to the moment. And that's, it's very much a skill to be able to do that. Um, be able to get rid of the irrelevant at the moment and just bring it to what actually matters right here, right now. So it's kind of practice again. It, it takes some people do a look, pick it up a little quicker. Some people take a little longer, just like any skill. But it's kind of practicing that process of like, yeah, I have a thought that came in. Like now I notice where it's from, but now I just got to let it go and bring it back to what's actually happening right here, right now. And then we're just continually working that process. And then we're having our own routines within the game to help help facilitate that ability to get rid of that thought and bring me right back to the moment, to the right here, right now. This pitch, so like we talk about the next pitch. Next pitch is all that matters. Once the last one happens, let's get to that next one. And how do I do that? It's having that routine and being able to get rid of those thoughts that don't matter anymore and bring them right back to the moment. We can learn from them, like something that just happened. We certainly learn from them and take that information and use it for the next pitch. But if we're hanging on to it and dwelling on it, the pitch in front of us is never going to be the priority. It just it just can't be. So it's very much like, I guess, that practice of doing it and just continuing to allow them opportunities to practice that. So whether you're, whether you're throwing a bullpen, we're practicing that. You're winning a cage, they should be practicing their routine and bad rounds, or even good rounds, they should be practice, practicing that routine. They're practicing that while they're just doing their breathing ahead of time. So it's kind of just, I guess, providing opportunities is the best the best way to do it. Heck, I've been I've been included in some of our just simple drill work. 
like you're not locked in for a drill and it may be the mundane drill that you may not even like you're about to go do your J bands for the day. Like if I'm not locked into it, that's a great time to work that process. I've even had guys do that before on the simplest of warm up. Like, Hey, notice that you're a little checked out today. Let's work. Let's work a breath here to get you locked in so we can perform this the best you can possibly do it. So it's just providing, I guess, opportunities and teaching them when to use it, which honestly is whenever we're kind of like going somewhere, not in the moment is the best time to use it. So it's like a continual life skill, I guess, is the best the best way to put that. Mm -hmm. I love how you just talk about it as a skill too. Like, you know, some people like, you know, it's just, it's, it's just funny how people, you know, say like a lot of people are just mentally tough. They're just kind of born with it, you know, the same kind of stuff where you're just like, look, this mental stuff is a skill. It can be worked on. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a new thing that's coming about. But again, I think it's still a matter of how do you do it? You know? So you talk about routines a lot. So like, what kind of routines are you actually practicing? Is it just the pre-pitch routine? Is it, are you also like, what all kinds of routines are you letting kids know about? I think it's a little bit of routine in almost everything. Like we, we have our own built-in routine, I guess, that, that the kids kind of go back to. So I know every kind of craves routine, right? Yeah. So it's like kind of going through that routine is like we have it built in already and they're going to be going through our routine that we built in, but then also allowing them within our own drill work. And we can go into the weeds in this whenever, if you, if, or if you'd like to, like as far as like your own routine, as far as like your throwing routine, as far as like your plyo care routine, as far as the movement prep, which we include like the water bags, PVC pipes, some other stuff in there. Like there's actual days where I'll script it and there's days where it's all you. It's like what you want. You build your own routine within it and everybody kind of has it. Sometimes it's guided by us and sometimes it's like, hey, coach, this this feels real good. This feels real good. Like I like doing these things together. It's like, all right, let's rock it. Maybe there's some modifications that we'll make to if we see like a better way to tweak it. But we want players to have like ownership in all those routines. And then as far as like just like the mental side of it, it's going to create buy-in and all those things. But as far as like being in the moment, routines it's very much like okay what's what's your own routine as far as like like if i struggle on the mound if i struggle in the field i struggle uh, at the dish like i'm gonna have something built out that's very individualized to me that i can go to consistently and heck you'll see that blend into life a lot where like you'll have that maybe you'll have something like you'll see aaron judge like he'll grab dirt and throw it behind you like you're not gonna be grabbing dirt and throwing it behind you in life but that breath is gonna be something you're gonna go to i'm sure like you're struggling you have a big say like we teach this a lot like you have a big exam coming up you have a uh you have a big speech like you're in the middle of your exam you're struggling the wheels are turning it's not going well for you what are you going to do there like okay let's have something to go to there like that's when you kind of take a step aside maybe you don't throw dirt behind you but you like wipe something off your desk and then you take your breath all right next question we're not saying next pitch this time all right it's next question and kind of like seeing how that kind of blends over and how you can create routines with almost everything they're they're not identical but they're very similar and things that work for you are going to work in other areas in your life too so i think it's allowing allowing the freedom and allowing them to learn themselves in a lot of ways is is what we're trying to teach in a lot of a lot of the routine creation mm-hmm. so i went a lot of different directions in that but oh, man. definitely a different bunch of ways we try to help them facilitate routine it is good i mean I, but I, it, it, yeah there is there's, there's a lot of it and it's but it's important. I think you hit on a lot of main points that I've honestly a lot of really good coaches have talked about. Is just they need to provide ownership in their routines. I think you're you're building, you're buying into that. You're you're allowing them for that. So it's just important. A lot of good coaches have said that. Mm-hmm. 
for sure. Ownership is key. Uh, water bags, man. Like we'll get into like now we've gotten through some mental training. You know, you're making sure you're checking in with those. I, I love that. You, you know, you basically can tell like, look, you're just always there where you're kind of checking in with guys and knowing that. So you're always bringing that to the forefront, which is awesome. Um, so now building into what you do, because, um, you know, if people haven't been following you, you know, they're going to see you put out some good content with all your water bags and your station work. Uh, so when you get in the water bag, is it strictly just movement prep or will you do it when you're trying to, let's say, guys, and even in, during a bullpen session when you're trying to get in the field something? Yeah, both. It's intertwined 100 percent into both. Um, we've built we've built it out into what we call movement prep. So it's like after we do our warm up, I usually then do what I call like a movement challenge warm up or more like a general movement where I allow some athletic freedom within it beyond just like a regular typical dynamic wake me up warm up. And that will lead us straight into the movement prep, which will go through some different water bags based on um, if you ever, ever listen to the Florida baseball ranch and Randy Sullivan, he talks about, or friends, or if you ever dug in the French Bosch, but he talks about the universal tractors and we're trying to build on those. Um, and sometimes again, it'll be their own routine. So built out for them based on our assessment of them and what they're struggling with. Um, but there are also times where we'll have those water bags just hanging out in the, uh, in the bullpen and, one of our goals for a lot of the bullpens is like, we don't want guys thinking about movement per se. We want guys to be able to make pitches and us just kind of intertwine this stuff into it. So you can, I want to say necessarily get a feel, but like encourage the body in a different way, I guess is the best way to put it. We're seeing, we're seeing a, I guess a, a flaw or like something going wrong in the movement system. We can kind of use the water bag to create a better pattern and encourage the body into a more stable pattern and then go right back into throwing and start blending those together. Um, and it allows us to not have to use our words. It's often like our words will get in the way. And a lot of times they don't even interpret our words the way we want them to interpret. So it's very, very hard to know exactly what you're saying. And then they interpret it a different way. And then you're going through a whole cycle where you're struggling versus like being able to use these water bags is encouraging the body in a certain way. And it's allowing the body to feel forced, which is a better way to coach anyways. Mm -hmm allowing the body to deal with a force to change a movement versus like trying to just tell them a specific posture or movement or put them in a place and then go. So it's like, we've used it in a variety of ways, but it's whether it's just like going through a circuit with the movement, movement stuff or with the water bags, blending into throws ahead of time into your ply routine or blending actually into the bullpen. Um, we've done it. We've done it in all, all three of those. And it's bad. We've seen, we've seen pretty, pretty impressive results for the first, first year really diving into it. And so, because you, you mentioned about assessments, is that is that how you're basically grouping your kids through this stuff? Because like when you watch your stuff and you're thinking, you can see like a bunch of people are doing things. Is it grouped yeah. based off of like your assessments that you're doing? Is that how you're grouping kids? Um, sometimes, yeah. So the assessment, the assessment basically looks at what we call indicators. We're using the the Florida baseball um, ranch or armory now term terminology so like based on the the university attractors or like based on stable movements that franz bosch talks about in his book like there's certain indicators we're looking for so you can look at the back leg front leg we group it in then throwing arm glove side arm rotation or trunk and then like deceleration patterns and we're kind of look look at that in different ways and then we'll actually build out specific routines for each guy in our postgrad program to be able to go, go do since we're trying to attack like the top three issues within the movement and so that's what we kind of look at and we build that out. Um, and then based on that, guys are going to kind of group themselves. We're not necessarily putting them into a group per se, 
but they're kind of grouping themselves based on, Hey, we're, we're all using the water, water ball today since we got, we're working on our back leg and they're typically similar drills or variation of the drill. So it kind of flows. Um, there are also some other times where we'll just set up a circuit where we'll kind of change it up. And this, this varies day to day. Um, but where I want to, Hey, I want to, I want to change it up. I want to change the stimulus for everybody today. And they'll be in like, say a back leg group, or maybe like they're working on the front leg over here, working on rotation over here, working on the ability to capture the trunk or get the most energy from the trunk into the arm in this station. And then we'll have like two or three drills you can pick from, but you're in a station together because looking at like movement itself, there are universal movements that are within everybody that we can kind of work and stabilize um, per group. So like, sure, this person may struggle with this more, but we're all going to be doing the same thing for this day because everybody, everybody needs these exact universal tractors. Well, stabilizing them is not going to hurt this guy who has a better back leg. This guy has a worse back leg, but the movements may be the same, or I may scale down because you have three different options within this one group. So like the guy who struggles with it, I was going to have a scaled down version. This guy's going to be a little more challenging. So um, sometimes it's very individualized. Sometimes it's more like group based. Um, so it's kind of like what, what we want to do that day. And typically there's like two days where it's very individual based and they're working their own. And then typically like two, potentially three days where it's more group based and we're kind of changing up the stimulus and we're going, we're going through the routine as a group. And it's something we're just kind of exploring, trying to see what's best. And we found that to work pretty well right now. And why is that? Is that for like mostly like a team aspect of things or just kind of the whole body of recovery or what are your, uh, what are you saying? How, how do you know? Yeah, so I think it's a little bit of both. So um, I, I like that everybody's working through it together as a team for one, for sure, because you're all you're, you're next to your brother and you, you, you start learning every movement pattern, I guess, and all the different drills. But at the same time, like looking, looking at just how movement movement is created. Right. So looking at agility or what Franz Boschild in his book, Anatomy Agility, these these very specific movements are going to come out no matter what the what the move is. And we're trying to stabilize the the movement with the, the muscles at optimal length and these specific drills we've determined like this is going to help your your back leg hinge and so working everybody through that same thing today is going to help everybody this is going to help stabilize you being able to get into your front leg and be able to close out the pelvis and be able to stop it into rotation so we're working everybody through that today so it's almost like a group training and we notice that everybody needs to be able to rotate cleanly through the middle without arching or going forward and getting through Gain through rotation, being able to stop that rotation cleaning so the pelvis is in control the entire time. So everybody's going to work through that. And then we always go through a station where we're just kind of blend that into a little more of your arm. So you're trying to learn how to capture the energy from the trunk into the arm. Um, and that's why, like, I think the groups worked really well because everybody's kind of doing the same thing. And we're working there, working the same thing with everybody. We're always working through the same universal tractors. Um, but the individual time allows guys to take a little more ownership of it. And we're specifically attacking their, their major issues on a more of a, more of a micro level than macro level at that point, I guess is the best way to put it. Okay. That's, that was awesome. Um, I, I guess another question is like, you know, this is all practice stuff. So like, let's say you get to a game, you know, you guys are going like, how much, how much can you do? How much do you try to do before a game? Um, so we haven't necessarily gotten to a season with it yet, but we've done some inner squad and scrimmages and there's certain guys were really like, Hey, I need this feel. I, I need to get this feel. So they'll actually go out and do it. The other guys we, we kind of allow as an option. We haven't necessarily like scripted out, Hey, you're going to do this, this, and this today, but we've kind of given an option and same thing with like pre bullpen. Some guys really need the feel and some guys were like, Hey, 
we want you to have this feel or we want to encourage your body to work this way before like a more competitive bullpen type situation. And it allows people, I guess, not to have to worry about the movement and just like allow the the water to do its work instead of allowing the thoughts to take over and take um, control, which is again, going into competition, I think is extremely important. If you can't, if you already know what you do, because we train it without thought, like it's very hard to overthink your movement, which I think is what we're trying to pattern and trying to get to the point where we can't even think about our movement or we're not going to get into that part where we're going to choke because we're thinking about our back leg or front leg right. or, arm or position like that. Because heck, we didn't train with thoughts ever. And so that's where sometimes guys need that feel um, or need to do some of that pre. And then some guys just like they want to keep themselves as fresh as possible. So and so we're still exploring. So that, that's something like we're still kind of thinking through and how we're going to necessarily approach it in the spring. But um, that's how we've kind of done it to this point. Yeah, I was just I was just thought, thought about it. I mean, I just didn't know. I'm sure, you guys have probably thought about it and mm-hmm. seeing how it goes. Because yeah, I mean, you're just trying to, and you're also ingraining so many routines into them, you know. And then all of a sudden, you're going to take we're going to take those away, and our you know things are going to change, and you, and you have a game. So just didn't know how how that would you know, transfer over to the game. So yeah, we've we've allowed that to be very individualized to this point. Love it. So, guys, have the opportunity for a game. Oh man, yes. I mean that that was just so nice. So, like, are a lot of the stuns? Are you are you just uh, experimenting them with yourself, or is it something that you've been doing for a while, or is it something you really taken from the Florida baseball ranch? Yeah. So, it was originally, I think, the inspiration of a lot of this came from the going through the I went through the Savage pitching certification mm-hmm. and, and learned a lot of it. Um, but I mean, the big thing for me is like they they approach uh, motor control, motor learning from a dynamical systems theory approach and like an ecological dynamics to get more into more in the weeds on that. But that to me is like this is how you should be training since I was already kind of diving into that a little bit and how like the the system tends to self organize, complex systems tend to self organize and the fact that the environment is going to basically be sharing information so the performer and the environment are are interconnected with how movements are actually created. And once I learned about that, and then the Florida base ranch talks about how like we can stabilize movement without necessarily thoughts or postures or putting you into it and the dynamical system will self-organize based on the sensory information you give it. So based on the, the information from the environment, one of those information is going to be the force force a body has to deal with. And so when they started talking about that, I was like, this makes a lot of sense that this does make a heck of a lot more sense than trying to tell a guy to do something, hope he does it or put him in a position or like, Hey, Hey, feel this. Because I'm going to feel something different than my players going to feel. Our bodies are not the same. We're not the same level of training. We're, we're not thinking the same thing. So it was like, this makes a ton of sense. And the water bags is stuff I've experimented with. Um, but honestly, I didn't have the resources until I came to inspiration. Inspiration has multiple we have four different water tubes. We have four different water balls. Um, and honestly, I, I, at American International College, when I was coaching there, I had makeshift water, everything. I didn't have any any of the actual water implements. I just kind of like played with it and kind of like manipulated ways with like bigger water, um, water bottles and jugs and stuff, I guess is the best way to put it, and played around with that. There's one facility I, I worked at also had some, some water tubes, so I played around with that a lot there. But um, it was like more experimenting, like, okay, if I had this, I could try this and this kind of works. And then I came here and then it's been a lot trying on myself um, and a lot kind of like, honestly, screwing stuff up 
um, in the beginning, like, hey, try this. And like, oh, that that's not working. Try this. Oh, this is working. And now we've kind of come up with like kind of a bigger list of we're seeing we're seeing this and this guy. OK, these are the drills we could go to. And you can kind of give them a richer environment and I guess stimulate the sensory information a little better um, based on the mover. So it's been it's been a process, but we've come to a pretty good conclusion. Like, all right, these these are kind of like our list that we can kind of work through. And there really is no, I guess, right or wrong drill. It's just like what what produced the movement we're looking for based on the the force or the un, unpredictable load we gave the guy at the time. So it's been it's also been fun. It's like one of those times where like, all right, it's something new and you kind of play with it yourself. And it's like oh, that, that kind of works. That feels good. Like, I feel like that's actually working. And then you try it with somebody and say, like, oh, no, that that wasn't that's not it. And then you <laughs> have that and go to the next one. But it's been it's been cool. The armor's definitely been a floor based armor's definitely been a big, a big inspiration though. I've stolen I've stolen a ton of stuff from them at this point. I'll be honest. Yeah. Like, I gotta credit them with a lot of a lot of the stuff we I post or the stuff I've learned to this point. Well, they're a great resource. Yeah. But it's still about the environment you gotta create too too. Like I think that's what mm-hmm. you've kind of touched about. I think that's half of the sauce in it. Where you can learn all that stuff, but if you're not creating the right environment for these kids that want to get better and they're not seeing it, it yeah. doesn't matter. So I think what you're doing there is really, really cool stuff. Um, oh man, just, just getting to, I guess a couple of my things is now is like, you, you, you talked a little bit about the blending. Yeah. So are you, uh, the blending of drills, the blending of drills to throwing blending of, cause you're basically just using the water bags to blend with the throwing, um, or, you know, are you using certain drills to it? Or are you just mostly getting to the water bags to, f- for the blending of throwing? Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of everything. So like there are times where we're doing the water bags independent of throwing. Um, and that's kind of using the concept. Again, I think it's better if you can get it closer to the environment, um, the actual performance environment, and that'd be throwing obviously. Um, but thinking through like universal tractors, your body is interested in things that can use in multiple ways. So like it's interested in movements that can be used in a wide variety of contexts, not like these one-off positions. So like trying to teach, say like a back leg hinge, like by itself and just like get into that hinge, like your body's not going to remember that if you just got yourself into the right position. However, if I've given you a water bag and I made you do a cross chop and you have to deal with an unpredictable load that way. And then I make you do a stomp into the ground with a cross chop. And then I make you land from uh, a platform with something overhead. And then you have to get into a hinge there and your body has to deal with it. And you just get yourself into the hinge because your body had to deal with these outside forces your body's basically encouraged there, it's going to want to learn that a lot more. It's a lot more interested in stuff in a broad perspective. So in that front, we kind of, we'll do some of the water bag without the blending. Um, But in ideal situation when we can, it's just hard to whole scale with the team at times with only, we're probably at a time, we're probably looking at 25, 26 guys with post-grads at a time and with four, four water tubes and four water balls. Like it, it's just really hard to, to blend it every single time. But We'll do plenty of times where the groups, the different groups are doing a water bag movement paired with some kind of throwing activity with it. That's kind of re-encouraging the exact same movement we're doing. So you kind of do that and then you're doing the throwing activity and then you'll do a decent bit. We did this early on where instead of like doing a midweek bullpen, it was purely mound blending with some of the the water bag movements, stabilizing their specific needs with their throwing. So it was kind of like very movement based mound blending and we just we just brought targets so that they weren't overloaded sensory with sensory information so they're not overly worried about result down there we're throwing to a target it's just a closer target so it's a much safer environment for 
for them to have to deal with. I'm not worried about result as much. Just like you're going to see if he hit the target. You're going to see if it like was a loud pop or not a loud pop, so which I kind of like that. Um, but it's a much safer environment. So like we're doing this drill for your back leg hinge. Your, your hinge sucks right now. Try this. And now we're going to go make a throw that kind of also encourages you to end the hinge the same way. Or maybe it's like getting over that front leg or rotating cleanly through the middle, whatever it may be. But that's that's something we did early on. Um, just kind of create better movers. And that's kind of like your, you said your midweek bullpen or basically like yeah. the bullpen leading up to your start. You're going to do this instead of just get on the mound and just throw your 25 pitches. Yeah. And I guess our environment right now, because we were how our post-grad season set up, it's like from August to December, it's like training. So like we'll have we'll have some games like inter squads mixed in, but we weren't we didn't have a competition for say month month and a half out. So like we have our regular schedule bullpens to like build them up and continue to get them off the mound. But like we typically would have done in the past, like a midweek and then like your heavier bullpen on the weekend or on a Friday. Where now we took that midweek and made it more of a blending period. So we're we're not using words, we're just using the water implements to kind of encourage the movement. And then throwing alongside of it, so that's how we kind of did it. Because we're we're in a lucky situation where we don't have to worry about the game. We're not we're not have to worry about them competing or worry about how the pitches look or anything like that. So, am I assuming that then this is kind of like the similar going back to the team setting where everyone is doing those same, those same kind of movements to throw like with the blending, when you said you're doing the blending. So is everybody basically going through that same kind of rotation, like it's the same kind of station work. Um, some, sometimes yes, sometimes no. So sometimes we'll make it extremely individualized to the guy. So like these are the three drills that we saw, or these are the three movements that we've prescribed this guy and he's going to go do that off the mound blended. There's other days where we'll kind of make it a more mass group thing, kind of like I do with the, the water bag um, routine as is. Um, and then, okay, we're all doing this mound. We're doing this with these throws. And then this mound, we're doing these with this throw. So you're actually like playing with different mounds too, which is another concept I love where you're getting different information off the mound too. So not every mound's made alike. It's like you're having to deal with subtle adjustments there too. So kind of just like training adaptability within within these drills by forcing them to get different different environments as we move down. But yeah, it's a different stimuli, different mound as you kind of move down. And again, it really depends on the day. Some days it's all individual. Some days it's more mass mass group. Mm. Making my head spin. Yeah, uh, it, it's a lot, man. So it's, 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 I'm just trying to get my just it, it's 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 great. It's great, Garrett. Um, and so I guess when do you uh, – there are, are there other drills? Do you like just to strictly work with the water bag or are there certain other just prescribed throwing drills that guys have? Like let's say as they play catch, throwing drills that you're just doing. Again, like maybe that they, that they would do uh, during their flat ground before a game. Um, or is it all strictly with – are you always strictly trying to blend with the water bag with their throwing? Uh, no, we definitely we definitely have drills outside of that too. So that's one thing we do on initial assessment. Um, so we'll we have the drills that we think would be great with a water bag, or maybe it's the the PVC pipe, or maybe we even do some stuff throwing a basketball. Um, oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's like a soccer throw that you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of yeah. like yeah, we do like one arm basketball throws. But honestly, I, I was skeptical of it at first and very hesitant, and then we tried it and. The results were crazy right away. So it was like, so what, were you, what were you looking at when you did that? You know, I mean, like, what were you, 
Is it just moving through the middle? Is that what you're looking for as a guy as a guy goes? Like, what are you looking for with that basketball throw? Yeah, so I, I guess the best way to put it, we call it capture the energy from the trunk. So yeah. we want our arms, and the way I put it is like the transmission cable, not the powerhouse. So it's just transmitting the power from the rotation or from the middle of our body into the ball. And so why we why we hold the basketball and why we throw the basketball is like it's a complete stiff arm. We go arm straight out. You cup the ball with your hand, so you're almost holding the ball on the hand in between the hand and the forearm. And then all we're trying to feel is that rotation, and then the body is just taking the basketball and making the throw, essentially. And so it's, we're, we're treating the arm as an extension of the body at that point. And it's a similar feel to as if my arm just unwound and I finished at that point where I'm going to release. My arm's going to be extended out in front of me. And then if I'm capturing these forces plane specific. So if you think about rotation of the hips are going to start and they're going to stop, which propels my trunk, which is eventually going to start and then stop, which propels my arm to go. If my arm isn't chasing or spiraling around that same plane where it's going above or pushing forward or dragging behind or anything like that, we're not going to capture the energy that we just created up the chain. So what we noticed with the basketball throws is that allows us to basically feel the ability to actually capture energy up the chain and on plane. So my arms are staying on plane with rotation. So it's basically like maybe like a low three quarter throw for some guys, some guys tilt the body a little more. So it's a little bit more of a high three quarters or we're trying to get that feel of capturing it going up and ensuring we're on plane and not dragging or pushing or going too far out of the top and getting outside of that plane. And we typically, that's like something we'll make throws with the basketball and then we'll make some throws with the, with the plyo ball or baseball into the net right after. So we kind of get that blend and try to get that feel right away. But yeah, that's, that's been a drill. that has been great for us. It's a little outside the box and people are like, what are you guys doing? And you're like, we're hucking basketball. I posted on Instagram and it was like, some people like gave me love for it. And then immediately like I've gotten like, hate 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 like oh they're gonna destroy their arms like oh this is the stupid it's like you can hate on it but it works it really does yeah i think whatever works whatever works for you whatever works for the kid you know what i mean absolutely i mean i got a soccer background so i'm like that's like a so and i never really thought about but yeah if you basically you do keep your arms straight out and really try yeah. to force that you're forcing everything to be on time with it yeah that and I will, I will give one away, one away performances where we stole that from because I, okay. I'd be remiss not to give him credit for that. But we saw that and we're like, we got to try this. And it's actually, we have a college summer, a summer league, and we tried it with some guys there. And it's kind of funny. They're like, yeah, we, we went back to our colleges and we tried it too. And like, everybody's looking at us like, what the heck are you guys doing? I was like, it's working. So, I mean, they can say what they want, but if you go back and show results, they're not going to care. So when you say it's working, is that basically trying to clean a guy's movement up that you think was not there? Is that what you're, is that what you're saying when you quote unquote say it's working? Yeah. Yeah. So like, like when, when I say it's working, it's like it, it encouraged the movement pattern that we're looking for to become more stable. So like specifically, I can think of an example of a guy who would get his arm up and then he would rotate fairly well through, through his middle of his body. And then his arm would just get disconnected from his body where it would drag real bag and then create like this weird kind of push at the end. You still was like a decent thrower. Like he, he still threw through decently hard, but he was like super inconsistent, was never, was never consistently there. Arm health was sometimes there, sometimes not, which makes sense. You're creating this crazy sheer force. Your body doesn't want to have to deal with that. And if it does, it's going to eventually deregulate you. You're going to be super inconsistent. You're not going to feel great. So like we noticed like after he did those and blended some throws into it immediately, like his arm was able to feel on time, unwinding around the same plane and he was actually capturing the energy. And like, he's like, Marm, it feels like I'm barely even throwing the baseball right now. 
And like his first outing out, it was like plus three miles an hour. This is like, he's actually finally catching the energy that he could have been capturing the whole time since he was a decent mover. Just like the arm had some form of disconnect for whatever, whatever reason that was. Um, so I guess Garrett, and you guys are totally in a train right now. Like it, it, and it's, and it's great. I think it's, it's all phase. When you get to like the phase, when you start competing consistently in games, how do you foresee the program changing? Like when, when that phase happens, or are you stickly just going to plant your flag here and say, we're always just going to move this way. Like just wondering how, like, what, what, what do you foresee in terms of, you know, when you're playing three or four times a week? Uh, I mean, I definitely, once you move out of kind of the, I guess, training, training phase going into yeah. more of the competition, it's definitely going to, definitely going to mix how much we're, we have, I guess, afforded to do some of this, this movement training or how much freedom we have to maybe like change the routines and try this and try that. But at the end of the day, like the, the on-fields, the on-fields what matters, right? So that's what we're trying to get to. We're trying to increase their performance on-field. And that's going to be almost like a way to continue to evaluate them on a higher scale. Because right now we have bullpens for the throwers. We, we have pull down velos or like positional velos. We have video analysis. We can see we have trackman data, all that stuff where we can assess. But we don't necessarily see in-game stuff. And that's going to, one, give us better evaluations. But um, it's going to change the movement prep maybe a little bit, but I don't see it changing too much because it, it really is not necessarily like an overtaxing environment where like, okay, we, you, you do these movement and you you can't physically go play a game where these will easily, I think intertwine into like a pre pregame bullpen. If you're, you're struggling with something or like a little side work in between, in between starts and like your, your normal throwing days on a training day can easily still have these intertwined. And I think, what I've noticed already, guys, guys, some guys, not already. I think that's like any program. Some guys automatically gravitate towards these things because we've given days where, hey, this is optional. Like this is more of a light day. It's optional. They're out there. Here's a resource. If you want me to help work with you, feel free, pick them up and we can we can blend some stuff. If not, you don't have to use them today. And we've seen guys still gravitate towards them, especially the guys that have like all bought in. And they, those are typically guys we've seen have the biggest results out of them as well which is typical of pretty much any tra tra training program, but it's been really cool to see guys still gravitate towards these things where it's not something you would typically see in a training environment for these high school kids. Like these kids coming out of a high school program, like I can't imagine many of them have ever, as far as I know, have ever experienced water bags or done water bag training or done this kind of movement prep. And it's kind of cool to see something that maybe looks outside the box, um, kind of like become part of their own routines and something they're asking for. So I, I can definitely see it like scaling down, but still being a staple in the program and trying to blend it. And again, like in game, we don't want to be thoughts. We want to get rid of the conscious and just let the body take over. And this is one of the easiest ways to be able to do that. If you're very intentional and very, um, very, I guess, innovative with how you use them. If you can really see the movement and know what you're trying to work on, and put those two together, it's the, probably the smartest way to actually go change a movement because we're not thinking, we're not putting somebody in a posture. We're not like forcing them, Hey, feel this, put you here, move you there, pull you into the right position. It's allowing the body to feel a force, learn the movement that way, which the body is a lot more interested in learning anyways, when it has to deal with a force than it is with words. And then you can take that to the game without thinking about, Oh, I made this adjustment. The body just kind of got encouraged in that direction. 
And if you're kind of following me on that. Mm-hmm. They're encouraged. And like they said that encouraging. It was nice to just have it, you know, say things a certain way, you know, encouraging. Yeah, yeah. Encourage. You said encouraging the movement or encouraging the field? Uh, it, it, I'm saying encouraging the movement. So it's kind of like you're you're providing an outside force that's basically just like encouraging the body to move in a certain way, I guess, is the way I've been terming it. Is it that kind of that kind of makes sense to me since I mean if we're gonna take we're gonna take a water ball and we're gonna do a cross chop to the back leg, you're basically encouraging that the, yourself to get into that hinge, have the glute, glute minimus, medius to kind of actually have to stabilize and have to deal with a force to stabilize the pelvis, and you're actually gonna be in your best spot right there to be able to ride down the mound. So it's like very much an I guess an encouragement, like a from that force to to get into that optimal length and that optimal position. Hmm. You are yeah. Yeah, buddy. Huh. Yeah, just uh, just put it all. You just make everybody just want to go buy a bunch of water bags, man. Just <laughs> yeah, they've been great. They've been great. They've been fun to play with too. Oh yeah. No, I got one that they got the big tube, you know, and you use it a lot for hitting stuff like that. But yeah. I've never even thought of, like even the, like the, a lot of the jumps that I see you doing too. You know, like you see it a lot with like just the stabilizing of a jump to then turn. You know, like typically mm-hmm. they're just turning off the thing and just holding the water bag, but the jump to turn um those are super cool um you know it's about net right now is just a good time for doing it too when you guys get in the off season so i just love these conversations right now man i think this is helping helping guys get better um which also brings me another thought that i just had with you you know just just with your eyes and your and your you're on the forefront of things you're learning new stuff and um is in terms of like you talked about building guys up to get ready for competition so like what does you know, this is all part of that. This is all, I'm assuming that this is all part of you building your guys up. You know, you're not throwing, you know, throwing a ton before, before they go to competition, you know, you're kind of giving their armrest. Um, so what does it look like? What does your kind of off season ramp up look like to get them ready for competition? Um, so we're, we're, I guess we're in a unique spot being, I, at least from my perspective, we're in a unique spot. So I'm, I'm a Northeast guy and now I'm currently in Florida. So like, I'm not used time, to, be outside all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not used to the fact that we're still, we're still outside right now. Like that's right. Uncomfortably like, outside. Yeah. We could be outside in the Northeast, but it wasn't comfortable at all. I guarantee you. comfortable today. Tell you that. Yeah. So, so it's been different where we're, we're doing a lot more throwing than everyone used to. So it's, it's, we're still able to throw bullpens outside. We're still able to do more training. Like we just finished our post-grad world series recently, which was just a three game set to kind of allow the guys to get some film and allow the guys to compete a little bit. Um, so like the ramp up for that was like an intentional buildup of, I guess, bullpens on the weekends with some of that movement stuff built in because I guess the, the end goal for us is like create the best movers. And we're trying to take guys who want want these opportunities um, to go to that next level that maybe didn't have them in this post grad this post grad team. And then same with the high school, we're trying to build these. We're trying to build the best high school team. We're also trying to get these guys the best opportunity they can and maximize their potential. So we're trying to create the best movers while ensuring that the arm the workloads there. We're ready to go. So it's been a very intentional process, I guess, like making sure we're building up the bullpens but making sure we're also creating the right training environments. And that's where, again, I think the water bags are really cool because we can still create volume on the bullpen side, like those midweeks. So maybe we're not necessarily throwing to a target, like a catcher wise, we're just throwing to a closer target and we're integrating some of that movement stuff and we're still getting volume. We're still making 20 or so pitches there. 
So we're still ramping the arms up. Um, but coming coming this January, it's going to be a whole different story because we're going to come back from Christmas break, and then we got three weeks, then we're in games. Like, again, nothing, nothing I've ever dealt with before in my life. So it's going to be a lot more intentional. Like, we're going to continue to throw coming up these next couple of weeks. We're going to give them maybe – lighter throwing loads but we're going to continue the throw because i think one of the most important things is allowing tissue to keep modeled where we want it modeled so you're basically your body the way i look at it is like your body adapts to the stress that's put on it so if we go to like full shutdown and i guess this is where i kind of stand on like throw or don't throw in the off season like if you're if you go full shutdown your tissue is going to organize itself based on the stress that's put on it and if it's not throwing there's no stress put on it so it's going to organize that tissue in a way where it doesn't need to necessarily handle a stress, handle the forces of that layback into an actual throw. So we're going to continue to, we're going to cut volume for a little bit during um, these next couple of weeks after, after Thanksgiving. And we're going to, especially during Christmas break, cut volume, but continue to throw and then have them ready by that first week. I believe it's of January to be ready to actually throw somewhere between a 20, 25 pitch bullpen and then slowly build it up from there. 25, the 30, 30 to 35, and so forth to be ready for guys to at least get about 40 pitches in that first game. Um, that being said, like we can still intertwine any all this kind of movement stuff and ensure that we're still getting that, I guess, creating the best movers while we're doing that because, again, it just intertwines itself fairly easily. It's not taking away from our throwing. It's just kind of building into it, integrating into it, I guess. Do you feel like um... – I guess you just have to adapt to that because, like you said, you you guys can throw all the time. Yeah, 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 a hundred percent. I mean, this is it is it's a new environment for me, kind of, kind of learning learning it. Since as much as I like our guys when I was up in the Northeast, like to throw all the time, I know for a fact once it got cold, guys were were gonna have issues finding places to throw. Guys weren't gonna want to go out in the cold, so like throwing the motivation's way lower, and kind of figuring out that. So there was kind of built-in time off that we're not gonna have here. But yeah, I think your body does adapt to the stress you put on it. And I don't think it's anything that we need to continue to go high volume and high intensity all the time, but like allowing the body to still have to deal with some stress, in my opinion, is really good because you do adapt to whatever stress you put on it. And as long as you're still making some kind of throws, your body's going to remain in a state where you don't have to like really build it up. You're almost like, it's almost like in a, uh, you're almost sitting in a microwave in a way or, or not a microwave, you're sitting like in an oven where it's just kind of like slow cooking you and you're, you're maintaining and like slowly heating yourself up versus like any kind of approach where you come back from the off season, we got to heat up fast and we're going to rip it and we're going to throw a ton within a short period of time, but I wasn't ready. Now I'm in the microwave. Now I'm a lot hotter than I ever wanted to be in a real short period of time. And that's where things like you'll see, you put the wrong thing in the microwave, it blows up. Right. And that's where like some guys will, will get hurt. And that's where a lot of injuries do happen um, because the guys weren't built up and they weren't ready for it. So that's where, that's kind of the approach we're taking to it. And again, it's something something new for me because again, I've never played a game in January. It's this is gonna be the first time in my entire life I'm gonna play a baseball game or coach a baseball game in January. So yeah. it's just unique to see kind of like a different perspective of baseball, I guess, too. Being from the Northeast and coming down here. Yeah, for sure. Now, do you think like I guess looking, you know, having a year from now, maybe you're not doing maybe what you're doing right now and it all gets pushed, maybe pushed back, or I'm just thinking about just your what your year looks like. So, yeah, it, it will be. I mean, it'll be interesting to see kind of like going into a year yeah. two and kind of like figuring it out. And I, I mean, 
We have two other pitching guys on staff, which I, you know, I'm relying heavily on them to, to figure out the workload that side of things and figure out like what the throwing program should be. Because to be honest, like I'm, I'm fairly new to new to how, how I guess this system works in a post-grad in Florida because I've been in a college setting in new England before, and I've only been in new England. So, and the only time I was outside new England was Ohio. And that's the exact same, exact same issue we're dealing with there. So it's been cool uh, to be able to work alongside those guys and kind of figure it out. Yeah, that for sure. You know, it's all, it's all part of learning and you know, you're a learner yourself, so it shouldn't be anything, but, and it sounds like, you know, you're still trying to, you said 40 pitches for those guys when they first get out and you would kind of monitor them from there and, you know, but uh, yeah, these guys are getting their bodies ready to roll. I love how you just even said like, you know, we're just trying to create good movers. Mm-hmm. You know, typically good movers are athletes too, you know, like essentially we're just trying to create athleticism. Then it sounds like that's what you're doing. You're creating a lot of athleticism within a delivery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Trying to like stabilize the the patterns at the optimal length. And then, yeah, it, I mean, that's one of the, I'd say if you, you were to look at my, I guess, some of my training methods, like you'd see our guys go out and like, we'll do what I call movement madness Monday. So every Monday I just give them a movement challenge. Like some of these guys never had cartwheels before. So we're doing it. We're going out there doing cartwheels. Some of these guys have never learned how to do a bridge. So we're like doing a bridge. We're doing all of these kind of like movement challenges with the arm. We have to coordinate things in ways you've never coordinated them before, but it's like to be the best mover, you're going to be kind of like a, what I call like a movement generalist. Like you're going to be able to move in a bunch of different ways. And if I give you a task, that's a new movement. You should be able to pick it up quicker. The best movers can do that. The guys who are highly specialized, like that are stuck in like I call baseball box, typically don't learn movements as well because they're very specialized and they can't get outside of that box and they don't coordinate things as easily as quickly. Um, so even something like juggling, like our entire programs, I've been challenged to try to juggle, juggle balls at times, just like little coordinated challenges that we give them. And like, we just kind of put them like, we want to be the best movers no matter where we are. And if you create that, your life's going to be a lot easier to make adjustments and be adaptable, be resilient to injury and things like that. So it's been, it's been kind of cool trying to trying to do some of that stuff. Very cool. Yeah, man. Love it. Uh, love it. Um, man, those are the, those are some, um, those are some of the big things, man. I was just so intrigued by a lot of your stuff and, and, um, what do you, what do you like using most by the PVC? Uh, the PVC has been more of like our rotational drills, I guess is the best way to put it. So like you're kind of put it in their back, you get the long side on your throwing side and you go through different rotational rotational drills it kind of gives you just that little bit of feedback if you do it well or you can get a real good i guess feel is the best way to put it for those like you can feel rotation really well and if you get get clean rotation if you feel the recoil back after you rotate showing that the brakes are working real well so that's been mostly what we've done pvcs for and some some like basic recovery stuff like some shoulder some shoulder stuff or you do some stretches opening up the chest a little bit with the pvcs and that's kind of just some stuff we play with that there's a bunch of different like PVC games I've given guys too. Like I can go into those too, but it's more like what do you mean? Like coordinated games. So like some of our conditioning, like especially last year when I was at AIC, we weren't able to get in the weight room to start. So like some stuff we do for like just training, training squat and a resilient squatter. Like you and a partner will take a PVC pipe and you drop it, and then your partner has to catch it as low to the ground as possible. And you do that for like five, ten minutes ish, and you just play this game back and forth where you're dropping the PVC pipe. The person has to go into a squat, lunge, whatever it may be, and catch the PVC pipe as low to the ground as possible, bring it up. He's going to drop it for you. And you're just like challenging the movement system to create all these different patterns and all these different squats, lunges, whatever. 
and you're pairing it with information versus like in a weight room, right? You're just going to do squats and you're going to do this, this exact pattern over and over and over versus this is going to be a lot more random since the, the PVC pipe might fall away from me. I got to go run and I go squat down there, or do a lunge down there, or I may fall right back. I got to back up and do a squat. It may fall to my right. I may have to do a deep lateral lunge in a position. I've never done a lateral lunge before because I'm trying to get it and just kind of mimics sport a little better, I guess is the best way to put it. Huh. So we've also done some stuff like that, which has been, which has been a lot of fun. It's a lot more fun conditioning, I guess, than your typical, just like I hey, do, do 30 squats or do like <laughs> squats here, you know, like in the row repetition of the same thing. It's, it represents sport a little better. Can you give us any, can you give us any other examples besides drop PVC? Uh, yeah, no, another one, it's kind of, I stole this a little bit from MMA, but I, this is one of my favorite conditioning ones is you take the PVC pipe and this gets, you have to be very careful with what group you give it with, I guess. Okay. And um, not every group I've, I've been with has done this great as you can get a lot of control, but basically like you're attacking your, your partner with the PVC pipe. And all I say, I mean by attacking is like, you're like swiping at them with the PVC pipe as in. You're going to the feet, so they have to jump over it, or you're going above their head, and they have to duck under it. And, like, you just constantly go in that, and you're creating these different jumps where they have to react, jump over, or squat under it, and you squat at different heights. And then you can kind of – if they get advanced, you can go, like, a swipe where you go left to right, so they have to dodge it to the left, to the right. And, like, you do minute, minute and a half of that, you're cooked. Like, you're absolutely fried. And it's, like, some of the best conditioning. You had a lot of fun while you did it. So that's that's another one I've, I've liked doing. Um and then some other ones where you can do different constraints with like you can put them on all fours and then you say, all right, only your right hand can stay on the ground. And then your partner's basically going while they're on their all fours and kind of like a push up E position, but you're going to be pretty mobile. Like you can go and kind of use the PVC pipe and attack their, say, right arms on the ground. You can go under their left arm and they have to lift it up while maintaining contact with the other three or go attack their legs. So they have to jump over it. But they're going to be right back on the ground and you can kind of make them move around and sprint around on the ground while they're pivoting with the right hand. Some stuff you do stuff like that. I mean, that's a lot of fun. Great core exercise. Again, like you do a minute of that, you're cooked. Like it's like amazing full body and you're going to challenge positions. The whole movement systems getting a workout. You're challenging these different coordinated patterns. So just stuff like that, that, that stuff, that stuff to me is like where it's at as far as like challenging the movement system and actually like better conditioning, full body conditioning than, something that you just have, Hey, just do these and go back for same thing over and over. Yeah. Like, cause like, that's where my brain went. My brain went like, you know, going out to a game, like say in the summer and mm-hmm. like, that could be like a recovery station, you know, like that's yeah. what you could do, you know, like you'd be able to just have a recovery, like after a game, 15, 20 minutes, you know, here's your little workout. That's what you're going to do. You know, you can yeah. play some PVC games and you're going to feel it, you know? Yeah. That's funny. We actually, we actually do that thing, especially the squat one. And then we would, there's some there's some other ones with some lunges and stuff where you have to like jump over and but yeah that that's literally one of the circuits I would create instead of like hey go go do these runs or whatever like we take a lot of the runs out and do this stuff and guys were more tired they're more fatigued and they like kept doing them since it was fun so yeah. it's kind of it's kind of cool that's when you got them man that's good yeah that's good stuff man good stuff it's just uh just something that you just came up with you said you should you say you still have from MMA um uh, yeah so I mean the the true inspiration was this movement coach called Ido Portel. So he's, he was Conor McGregor's movement coach. I know he's worked with Michael Lorenzen a little bit, um, but he's got, he's got some documentaries out there. And then like you, you, I've watched some of his, some of his stuff. And then it's like, this is, it's kind of intriguing. And then I pretty much did a head basically like if 
like there was a movement movement pool like and Ida Portel was a, a section of it but did a head first dive into like the Ida Portel world and like I learned everything about the guy I could possibly do and then like just started playing with some of his stuff and that kind of organically became some of our movement training and some of our conditioning so it was, was kind of cool that is cool it is really cool I mean um have you seen Garrett like is you're hanging your hat on creating better movers is this for the fact of velocity is this for the fact of health like, do you feel like, and is it both? Like, where, it, it, like, let's say the purpose, you know, and behind it, you know, like, are you feel, do you feel like this is where you feel like you're going to have your guys stronger? Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's both. I mean, it, I think at the end of the day, we want to want to create, especially if you're looking at pitching side, we want to create guys who are throwing baseballs really hard, they have nasty stuff and are always healthy, and that can recover really fast. And if I have those four things, like you got something special. And that's where, again, like the whole the whole idea of the universal tractors from Franz Bosch or what the Florida Baseball Armor uses, like those are all based on basically creating your body into optimal lengths. And optimal lengths create more efficiency, creates more power, creates more control, and creates better protection in the entire system. So that's that's why it was like something that okay this makes a lot of sense and if we can encourage movements that are at optimal length we're gonna have all four three of those things and like can't say like we got every single guy to that point but like we're trying to build velocity that way like we've done pull downs once and it was more just like guys just want to see how hard they threw and we've done one max effort bullpen just because we wanted this again guys wanted to get numbers and they wanted to have fun because that's what guys they see it everywhere so it's like that's the only time we've allowed it Everything else has been either sub-maximal or like, yeah, we're throwing a bullpen. So the intensity is going to be there, but it was never like, hey, you're going to try to hit these numbers. Like, yeah, numbers are reading, but it was all been these movement-based stuff, and we're seeing great results from that. And guys, typically, once they get to a certain point, they're like, I don't even feel like I'm throwing hard anymore, and yet I'm throwing harder than I ever have. So that's that. Like, once I hear that, I'm like, that's cool. That's that's when I know we're doing it well. And guys are telling me they're recovering better. They're feeling less stress and they're throwing and they're being a lot more effective. So that it's pretty much, it's pretty much all of that because the body and not to go into the weeds too far, but like this, this is like the three things I really, I really like to work off of. It's another French boss principle, but it's like the body, the body, as far as movement, movement goes wants minimal jerk. So it's minimal like shear forces, minimal um, joint separation. So like not these major, and that's where everybody talks about hip shoulder separation. And like, you want more, and it's not more of it because you're creating like these crazy forces through your body and this crazy separations. Your body doesn't want to be separated. It really doesn't. Because that, that's where injuries happen, right? When you create these crazy separations, it doesn't want to be like have these major joint separations and it doesn't want to have to think through the movement. It wants minimal processing. And that's kind of like where I go through my evaluation of, am I creating a better mover? It's those three things. Is it minimal basically that the minimal joint motion the minimal processing and the ability to, to minimize those shear forces or um minimize anything as far as like tearing and minimizing jerk within the movement so those are the three things it's like if we can get those we're going to be throwing better we're going to be throwing healthier and we're going to basically maximize everything since the motor control is going to be um i guess at the highest highest point it can possibly be so I guess that that kind of sums it up in kind of like where how I try to evaluate it and why we're we're trying to do it because it is it is a little bit of everything, and that's the goal, right? If we can if we get healthy throwers and they're throwing cheese and they're throwing nasty stuff, we're in a good spot.
Well, I think what you said too is adjustability too within all of that mm-hmm. as well. Like that's something that's you know you don't even realize because typically in a game you think about in ten starts you're going to have your best stuff maybe twice. Yeah. So you better be adjustable, you know, and things like that. So I think you're also creating some adjustability within that um, as you become a good mover, which essentially you're going athletic. You can make different adjustments. Um, you know, I think you're you're really making adjustability as well. Yeah, yeah, especially with some of that that training, and that's what we're trying to do, right? We're allowing the system to move in different ways that, like, maybe you wouldn't in a normal training program. And if we can move anyway, like, there's no bad way, right? Like, you're you're not going to find a position that you can't be in or can't adjust your way through because you you challenge the system in so many different ways. So yeah, hundred percent. How how much recovery is in? Like, how much? Like, are you do are you experiencing guys like? Uh, are they getting like? Do you have do you have more soreness? Like, do you feel guys are getting more sore, or is it still just you said you didn't you are not doing two things too intense? Yeah, I, I want to say it's like beyond normal. So we we have a strength and conditioning coach who runs them through four days a week strength and conditioning, and then like I think once a week like more of a plyometric type workout. And so like they're doing all that on top of what I'm giving them, and it's it's reporting no real different. And if there are days where we're a little beat up, like we're gonna we're gonna take that down a little bit and do more recovery type movements. And I take them through like what I call like a recovery movement circuit instead of maybe the water bags or something where they they'll still be an option for them. But I'll I'll basically scale that down because it's all what matters is like listening to the player, right? Listening to the feedback they're giving you and what's going on. Like if your body can't handle that day you're probably not going to find the ideal movement anyways. Like I'm basically pushing a system that can't be pushed because it's extremely fatigued and there's going to be compensations everywhere within the pattern. So there's no point in even like trying to encourage the body in certain patterns because I'm going to probably fail at it. His body's just not ready for it. So it's very much listening to it. But as far as like on a whole scale, I don't think they're more sore or more fatigued or more beat up because of it. Um, we've seen, if anything, like they feel better since they're moving cleaner in a lot of ways. So like the soreness actually goes down in some um, some aspects. Can you uh, take us to the recovery movement circuit? Yeah, so I mean that's that's something again. I, it's taken a little bit uh, from like Edo Portel ish. Um, so it's a lot of a lot of like freedom within within movement. So w- what I do is like it's almost like a dynamic after a dynamic in a lot of ways where it's like these different kind of movements where we're, we're actually walking, maybe walking in a squat. You're doing various lunges, but I'm allowing guys to explore lunges. So you're not doing the same lunge twice. You're actually like, the idea is like, we're going to walk within a 15 like yard width, but you, you do one lunge, you can't do that same lunge again. But I want you to explore your own body. And this is where I really try to teach guys to learn their own body. It's like, okay, so what what feels sore? What feels good? What squat's going to make you kind of loosen that area up? Kind of play with that a little bit. Go into a deeper squat there. Go into another movement that attacks that same area. So they start taking ownership of their own body. Because, I mean, I'm, I may give them a circuit, and I may com- completely miss on maybe loosening up an area that they feel really tight because they didn't have the ownership. So that's where I try to give it there. And then there's some simple crawling stuff. There's a thing called I call the lizard, and it's like – if you look up the lizard, Ido Portel, like you'll see him, you'll see him do it a lot better than I can do it. But I'm, it's like a coordinative challenge. But you feel like your spine moves super well, your hips move really well through it. You get great scap work in it. It's just like a really, really good movement overall. And like we taught him that, and I use that a lot on recovery days since the movement and the range of motion you get is like really good. And then top of that, we do a lot of spine work um, to the point where it's kind of funny. Like I'm literally called like 
some people walk by me and they call me spine work because like I, we, every single day, like we do some kind of spine work and then recovery days, it's kind of like just compounded. We'll do like extra and there's like certain, like I call it, there's like the original spine day. There's like the, the more aggressive spine day. There's like a spinal wave that we do. And then like just allowing guys to kind of free up. So a lot of times it's, it's stiffness through the middle, stiffness in the back. Like you get a lot of that stuff mid training season. So being able to loosen that up and just be a good, good, healthy mover through the spine is extremely important to me. So we'll do a lot of that on the recovery day. And then like the lizards kind of like just caps it off where they're moving through the spine in a coordinated pattern, being super stable in it. Um, and then after that's like a lot of arm movement. So what, what I found is like more movement is typically better, but low intensity, easy movement. So we're trying to get blood rushing through the arm, getting more to the area. So like simple things like figure eights, Simple things like literally we call it an arm drop where you're taking the arm, reaching overhead and literally letting the arm just fall down to the waist and just literally just letting the blood rush through the arm. And it's like we call it like emptying the arms because your arms like you're throwing, you're carrying stuff, you're like building the biceps since you want them to look good. Like all the girls want to see your biceps. And so you're like doing extra work there, but they're always carrying. They're super, they're super heavy. So like just emptying them out so they can be that transmission cable. And a big piece in a recovery day is like, can we get like as much range of motion in your arm? Can we get as much blood flow? Can we empty them as best we can so they're not not super, super sore, super tight, super tense? We'll do some wrist clinics where we're just kind of like stretching out the wrist in like in three different ways. So you're facing your arms forward on the ground, backwards, and then with your palms facing up. So stuff like that. So, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, but it's very, it's very simple. It's like just attacking attacking all the different planes of motion, allowing guys to explore their own body and then moving the arms around a ton. So like figure eights, arm circles, and just moving the arms up, down, exploring, reaching overhead. And there's some other, some other weird stuff that I could get into, but it'd be hard without demonstrating them to actually be able to show you it. But right. it's like, it's just moving the arm around a ton, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. I remember, um, uh, DJ's, uh, book, uh, on pitching, yeah, guy, he he did like call them like teacups, you know, like he's how he would kind of keep up a teacup. Or guys like would do like a pizza, you know, carrying out a pizza thing like that. You yeah, know? yeah. It, teacups, teacups is one of them that we do all the time. The guys always ask me to do the teacups just because they think it's funny. But <laughs> even today, yeah, coach, we do teacups today, so I just put them in just because they they want it. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely. hilarious. They brought the teacups. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. for sure. Oh, dude, that's super good, man. It's good stuff. Um, man, buddy, we've been in here almost an hour and a half now, man. Wow, flies, buddy. So, yeah. like, before we before we get going, just kind of wrapping things up. Let's say the final thought that you got, man. You think that something's you want to share that we haven't kind of got on, man? What's uh, what's on your mind? Anything on your mind? Anything you want to share? Yeah, I, I don't know if there's maybe. I mean, we've we've kind of dove into a lot of a lot of different areas here, but. I think the biggest thing and like, I guess the biggest piece of advice I, I always try to give people, especially like if they're, they're going into coaching and this is something I'm still, I certainly do not have it figured out. As you can tell, like I'm, I'm exploring things, still figuring, figuring things out, messing things up, but like having a framework to work off of has been like the biggest piece, like me diving into ecological dynamics um, really led me into the Florida baseball armory and led me into like understanding, like, right away why these water bags might work like how they're going to work like why they actually make sense in motor learning motor control and same with some of the other stuff like i came across Ida portel and because of the stuff i was diving into i was like this makes sense this guy this guy i think really gets it and is actually creating better movers because of the lens i was already kind of looking through so it's like being able to really firm down what lens you're looking through and then 
looking at everything through that lens has been been extremely helpful to me. And that's been, again, just like the ecological dynamics, just like dynamical systems is simply they're going to self-organize. They have a tendency to self-organize. And based on the environment we give them, they're going to self-organize off of that. It could be for the good, could be for the bad. Self-organization isn't always good. And then like the ecological side is like we interact with the environment. So like based on what we pick up is how we're going to move. There's that perception of the environment leads into action. And then what, how we act is going to lead how we actually see the environment after that. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that, but just those little principles has allowed, I guess, guided me in the coaching in recent years. And it's been, it's been really, really eye opening, I guess. And it's like, if I only knew this stuff, like when I was playing and knew this stuff, maybe my first couple of years of coaching, I would have screwed up a lot of, lot less kids and screwed myself up a lot less. So um, I guess that, that'd be like the final thought I would, I would kind of leave with that. I haven't really dove into it. I've touched on it, but I haven't really gone too deep into it. The framework. Love it, man. Appreciate it, buddy. So uh, anybody wants to dive into more of your stuff, all your stuff, all your content, what's the best way to get in, in touch with you? Yeah. I mean, I guess both Instagram and Twitter, I'm just at coach G Baker. Like that's, that's probably the easiest. Like I'm, I'm trying to post, three or four or five times a week, just, just some stuff, whether, whether it's just a thought of mine or one of our drills or something, something, one of our guys did that was cool. I'm always trying to post on there to just get information out and try to try to interact honestly with other coaches. That's kind of, kind of my goal. Um, and then you, if anybody wants to reach out, I'd say my email is probably the best and it's just Garrett. So that's G A R R E T T dot Baker at inspiration academy.com. Coach Baker just giving us some great information from his mental training, mental skills, training at the beginning of practice where he discusses signal lights, green light, we just keep going, we keep playing, we're free of thought, yellow, need to be cautious, might need to stop. Uh, if I've been yellow too long, then I really got to stop uh, and change my thoughts. And if I'm in red light, man, I just need to stop, I got to get off and I have to tr change them and got to get rid of those thoughts so I can get back to green. Um, and how he's getting rid of those thoughts is the four boxes that help in, in his breaths. He is doing something physical, like wiping, wipe, put, taking your foot across a mound, you're doing something physical, and then giving a final thought into your brain, telling yourself what you needed to do. Love how he's, we get right off the bat and just go there. Uh, and then right from the get-go, hits, hits the ground running with all his movements and how he's helping create better movers. From his movement challenges, Movement Madness Mondays, he calls them. Uh, but movement challenges, creating guys in different uh, different environments to help them uh, get out of it and uh, pressing the issue with their body and kicking them more adaptable. Um, from his water bag work, uh, water bag work, PVC work, uh, as he's blending it with his throwing, you know, forcing a certain feel that he wants to, or forcing a certain pattern, because guys are doing it well uh, and trying to force that there. But always there to communicate with his players, always there to talk to them, touch and base with them, see how they're doing. Because that's when you prescribe the different volume, lower intensity, or just a lot of recovery work. Um, you know, to, uh, trying different things with his midweek pen. You know, typically some guys, guys are getting the get in the mound and just feel it out. But uh, before sometimes call it a feel pen, and before they go to compete in, in the, that one big mound presence for the week, and that's when he's still doing his movement prep. Um, bringing more stuff on the slope, I think, is important to him. One thing you notice him on Twitter is he talked about even just, again, making the adaptability and adjustability and making athletes is getting on the mound when it has not been groomed 
when the holes are still there. Uh, I thought that was a pretty cool thing he does have on Twitter. Uh, so again, if you're not following on Twitter, Garrett, uh, I'm sorry, it's co- at Coach G Baker, at Coach G Baker. Uh, the the email is Garrett with two R's and two T's, Garrett.Baker at inspirationacademy.com. But having a framework and building off of there, really just having a foundation, super important. He touched base about that. I love his recovery movement circuit, you know, just being able to get guys in different movements. Uh, the PVC games, really cool, really cool different things. Like it's just a ton of good information as he continues to try to learn, continues to try and build the best program he can for his guys as they become the best movers possible. So, um, thank you, Coach Garrett. Coach Baker, appreciate all the help. Definitely looking forward to seeing you at the ABCA. And um, until next week, keep getting better.